wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walking with your ass backwards? You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Alongside RJ Marcel. RJ, how are you doing today? Very relaxed today, Graham. <laughs> Very relaxed. Uh, Very relaxed today. <laughs> I love it. Uh, as you should be. Monday yep. Night Raw last night. We got payback coming up this Sunday. We are just six days away, or five days away, six days away from Raw last night. We are being joined by the host of Ring Rust Radio, Donna Wood. Donnie, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I believe it was. When I contacted you to be on the show about a week ago, I did the math, and don't ask me how I know this. I just know dates for, like, random reasons. RJ, you know. I believe it was four years ago to the day I had you on my other podcast, Spoilers, to do predictions for Extreme Rules. And now you are here again four years later to talk about payback. It's a crazy coincidence. How, how sad is it that we've been doing it for this long? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, almost five years. You're coming up on five years for Ring Rest Radio, right? It's so sad. I feel so sad for the people who listen to the show. I feel sad for my family. I'm just sad in general for everyone. <laughs> same, my friend. Same. Uh, it's just crazy how time flies. But uh, the product is still the same. We're still here talking about pro wrestling. Like I said, payback this upcoming Sunday. Before we get into that, we'll talk about Monday Night Raw from last night. The go-home show emanating from Hartford, Connecticut, my backyard. And a uh, decent go-home show, I thought. I thought it was an effective way of... You know, sending the crowd home happy to pay back on Sunday. Not the entire show was exciting, but we did kick things off with the return of Stephanie McMahon in her native Connecticut, interrupting Shane McMahon, talking about that on Sunday we will get the reveal of who is officially in charge of Monday Night Raw, who is the new authority figure in WWE. Will it be Shane? Will it be Stephanie? Will it be someone else we don't know yet? Um, so not too much of a surprise. There's been rumors for a while now that the Authority could be on their way back to WWE TV in the near future. Triple H was not with her. It was just Stephanie. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where this goes. Not really. I don't want the Authority back. But uh, we'll see what this leads to on Sunday. But uh, Donnie, what are your thoughts on the return of Stephanie McMahon to Monday Night Raw? Honestly, I'm more mad about WrestleMania 32 still. Now when I see Shane McMahon running Raw every single week and now possibly even gaining full control of Raw, I just look back at that WrestleMania match between Shane McMahon and Undertaker, and I wonder why it happened. Because neither of the city, you know, Undertaker was didn't have to go away, but Shane did if he lost. So Undertaker went away and Shane stuck around. So it's completely ass backwards. I don't know what to make of that. So I don't, I don't know what to make of the entire storyline. When we go back and we vote for worst storyline of the year, this almost certainly will have my vote. Because if Shane does take power, as most people think he will, then you get some sort of feud against Shane. Maybe Shane aligning with Vince McMahon against Triple H and Stephanie, and there's your power struggle leading into SummerSlam and beyond. Um, but to me, it just why did you add the stipulation to the Undertaker match if that was the plan? I just don't get it. It just makes me very angry at the, the inconsistencies in the storytelling. 
for you does the good outweigh the bad? And that we've talked to people in the last couple of weeks that, although we do agree that it makes absolutely no sense for Shane to be running Raw right now because, like you said, he lost to WrestleMania. He's running Raw anyway. Taker's nowhere to be seen. We haven't heard from him since. Uh, wins and losses essentially mean nothing in WWE right now. Wins and losses. But uh, do you think that Shane running Raw has brought more excitement to the program in the last couple of weeks and that kind of outweighs the complete the, the fact that, like you said, it makes absolutely no sense right now that he's running Raw? My problem is that the, the same people who were writing Raw before WrestleMania are writing Raw now. Shane, truly, I just don't think he has any true input in what's happening. I think the same amount of writers, Vince, is still calling the shots. My problem is if WWE can pull the trigger on these, what we consider as better shows, or more wrestling-centric, more younger guys being pushed, if they can do this, why are they not doing it all the time? It makes me angry to see, like, these are the same guys before. Is it good or bad? It really is no different. It's just they're booking a little bit different because they want to have the perception that Shane's in charge and that he's booking a better show. My problem is if WWE was capable of booking these better shows all along, why aren't they doing so? Are they being terrible on purpose? Why are you doing this to me? I love your product. Why are you hurting me on purpose? Arjun, your thoughts on uh, Stephanie coming back? Like, like uh... He said, um, it just makes no sense from the WrestleMania match. Like like we said, we've gone over a couple weeks, like it's better than they thought it, but it's getting to a point now. It's like literally why is he here? Like you said, they no they haven't had any explanation besides overwhelming social media support <laughs> and that's in quotations. I don't understand like it makes no sense. Like that's the reason Shane McMahon's running raw, because social media's blowing up for Shane McMahon. Then why would Roman Reigns be WWE World Heavy Champion? They boo him every night. So that makes no sense. Like you said, a couple weeks ago, they need to have like an actual, like reason for him to, to be running raw. Like maybe him and Vince work something out that Stephanie doesn't know about, or there has to be something there. It can't just be like, "Yep, you lost," and you know we're just gonna throw that behind us. And you know everyone loves you, so we're just gonna put you on raw every week because it makes no sense. And back to what he said, the writers are the same. It's not like Shane's booking every match. They're just like pushing younger guys. So why can't they do that more frequently? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we saw a couple weeks ago, the night after WrestleMania, people were happy to see Shane run, you know, running Raw and in charge of Raw. But Vince has all this animosity towards his son. He called him a son of a bitch. Remember? About a month ago. About son a month and a half ago. Son of a, a bitch. <laughs> the way that he says it, that he said it was great. But And now he's allowing him to run Raw. So in storyline, it makes absolutely no sense. And then in the bigger picture here, like I said before, kind of I alluded to in the beginning, that it means the authority is on their way back. We get that on Sunday. Thankfully, it's not the centerpiece of the show as it has been in the past. The centerpiece, the focal point of payback is, you know, is AJ Styles aligned with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson? Is it Roman Reigns or another higher being, a higher power, whatever? <clears throat> so I'm glad that's the focus going into the pay-per-view and not this garbage. And they saved it, you know, for the opening segment. That was it. The entire show last night was pretty much devoted to Styles, Reigns, Gallows, and Anderson, which we'll talk about momentarily too. But, uh, I'm glad they kept it limited to just the first 50 minutes of the show. And it was a good segment, too. I think they have good chemistry. Obviously, I mean, they're siblings. But just the overall picture of Shane still running Raw regardless of what we saw at WrestleMania. And we talked about it right after WrestleMania, too. It was moments mania, pretty much. I mean, it was all about moments. It was all about creating, you know, a historic Buzzworthy moment. news. Exactly. Making it in the headlines and stuff, in the mainstream media. Like Shaq wrestling, you know, Shane jumping off the top of the cell all this other garbage and nothing affects like Stone Cold coming back and that affects nothing the next night on Raw. Even Zack Ryder got his moment and then he lost the belt the next night on Raw. So it was all about moments. Not complaining, but um, like I said, the overall product right now I think is better. But just 
The little stuff like this makes zero sense. But moving on here, uh, AJ Styles versus Sheamus, first time ever, one-on-one -on, -one on Monday Night Raw. Good match. Crowd didn't really care too much. They came alive for AJ Styles' big spots and stuff, and, uh, you know, unsurprisingly so because he's over and whatever. But the League of Nations, just nobody cares. I mean, Sheamus, this guy was not even four months ago the WWE champion, and now he's not saying he should have won here, obviously, but he just means nothing. I felt like this match would have meant a lot more uh, even a year or two ago when he was a lot more legitimate and believable in his role, and at this point he's just not. And there's a lot of confusion, too. We had... No, no inkling of an idea that the League of Nations are still together. I mean, when I think Sheamus came out, it might have been Rusev. Sheamus, said, that Sheamus said they that. said member are representing the League of Nations, and that was it. Like they weren't together or anything. It's and then Lana was back with Rusev later on. It's very strange. But uh, RJ, your thoughts on the match and what the hell is going on with League of Nations? And do you care? Um, the match is pretty good. Um, I think this was one of, if only, I think this is the first account between Sheamus and AJ Styles, you said, right? Yep. So I thought it was a pretty good match, but like you said, Sheamus hasn't really meant much, even though he won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship a couple of months ago, but he's just not, no one cares. Like, the League of Nations are just a bunch of losers, and like you said, where, where, where if they're still a group, then where were they last night? Like, where was Rusev? Where was Alberto Del Rio? Del Rio didn't wrestle for the end of the show. Like, why couldn't he come out and... Like, at least align with them. They just say a member of League of Nations, and no one cares. There's no consistency. Yeah, and yeah. these guys are just... Once they lost Barrett, I knew they were going to, like, start disbanding. And then now that the Wyatt family or Bray Wyatt's hurt, they're just not going to do anything with them. And no one really cares anyway, so... I think if they just kind of, like, just repackage them as their own single, single like, persona... I think they could do better than what they're doing now because literally no one could care less about the League of Nations. I mean, we talked about it last week on the show. I mean, you weren't here, but we were talking about last week how, um, you know, they could still do Sheamus and, and Del Rio or Rusev or whatever versus Strowman and Rowan. I don't know how great the match would be because Rowan and Strowman are not the greatest workers in the world. Obviously, they're the lesser workers of the Wyatt family. But they're still around. They wrestled on, I think, main event last week. So. Against, like, Kane and Big Show. Against Kane and Big Show, yeah, and they lost, unsurprisingly. <laughs> so. But uh, still, I mean, they could still have them compete. They had that feud going before Bray Wyatt got hurt, and we've had no idea, no update on the status of Bray Wyatt. So I don't know when he's coming back, hopefully sooner rather than later. But just, I don't know. Like it, like we've said time and time again, I just don't care about these guys. I don't even care if they break up. I don't even know if that would be better because they're going to be losing anyway. All three of these guys, they were 0 for 3 last night. Rusev lost, Sheamus lost, and Del Rio lost. So... And uh, there's just no, I think moreover than anything else, a lot like what we were talking about before with Shane and Stephanie and Vince and everything else, there's no consistency. I mean, Lana has not been with Rusev in like three months, maybe three or four months, at least since TLC when we were there four months ago. But since then, she kind of broke away, but they weren't broken up. It was very weird. And he's like back to being billed from Russia, you said, or wasn't that the case? You said that? I don't that? remember. I have no idea. Not like it really matters, but no. it's just... I think they forget every single week. Like, I want to say it's like it was a Lillian Garcia botch, but at this point, I have no idea. Not that I really care, but uh, Donnie, your thoughts on the match between Styles and Sheamus and your overall thoughts on League of Nations possibly breaking up as well? I don't mind the match just because Sheamus is a solid worker and AJ needs a good tune-up as you're going into the pay-per-view. So, he's a, he, Sheamus is a heel. He beat him. End of story. My problem is, looking at it from the WWE's perspective, if I have the League of Nations on my roster, I'm immediately breaking them apart and I'm trying to build each of them as maybe upper-mid-card heels who can put over guys. The one thing this roster lacks is top heels. So you have a bunch of guys on the roster. Start building Del Rio to beat a bunch of jobbers in a row and building his credibility. Do the same thing with Sheamus. Do the same thing with Rusev as individuals, and you're beefing up the heel 
roster because right now we have a bunch of top faces or at least perceived top faces in WWE's mind who are going to have to go against new people in a few months. And you have Sheamus, Del Rio, both former world champions, and Rusev, who looked to be poised to win a world championship at, at before he got buried by Cena. Um, so you see those three gentlemen, they could absolutely be top heels on the roster, and they're being just thrown lumped together and not booked well. My thought, this goes back to 50-50 booking in WWE. You have to book some guys to be better than other guys. That's the only way. Because if you, if you have Sheamus win for 10, 15 weeks in a row and he looks like this unstoppable force, when he goes up against AJ and AJ beats him, AJ then becomes this unstoppable force and takes all that momentum. And that's what heels in the wrestling business are there for, to get the faces over. So if you don't build credibility with your heels, you're hurting your top faces because when they beat those top heels, you're like, what? what so what? AJ beat Sheamus. Who cares? And this is the result of it. If, if, if Sheamus had won 15 weeks in a row leading into this match, and then you saw this, and you're like, oh, my God, AJ just won. You're like, right, he, maybe he could really beat Roman Reigns on his own, and he doesn't need to worry about what Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson are doing. So I think it's mismanagement of talent, and I'd like to see them split up and each individually be built up. Have them beat the social outcasts and eventually lead their way up the roster and start beating bigger and better talent, and then eventually they can put over the top faces. And it's not impossible either. I mean, we see this all the time with Lucha, with NXT. I mean, it's an old school way of booking things. Like you build up a heel over a long period of time. Like Baron Corbin, before he got beat at Takeover, I don't think had been pinned. He had been pinned maybe once in NXT, like a year and a half ago. Other than that, he has been pinned. He hasn't been pinned at all in singles competition. So you build up someone over a strong period of time, over a long period of time, and it starts to mean something when they eventually get beat. It's not. It's a simple way of booking things. They don't <laughs> do it. Um, it's super easy. It's super easy in WWE too, because not only do you have Raw, but you have SmackDown. So mm -hmm. if you want somebody to win ten matches in a row, that's essentially five weeks of programming. Yeah. That's that's the gap between some pay per views. Mm -hmm. So it's not hard to just build. If you started building Sheamus to not lose again until the following pay per view, you'd have five weeks of build. So I don't understand how how it could be that difficult to just have him beat a bunch of jobbers. Bring in guys. I don't even care. Whatever happens, yeah. I'm tired of the 50-50 booking. Differentiate talent. Not everybody can be over. And when you 50-50 book everyone, no one gets over. Exactly. So it, all, it all goes back to that 50-50 booking. I mean, we've talked about that at length before. Like, everyone gets a trophy. Like, no one gets over at that point. I mean, like, there, there's a few fortunate few that have, had the, that have had the ability to get over in spite of the 50-50 booking. Like, Sami Zayn is his own case, which we'll get to momentarily in that. He loses more often than he wins, but he looks strong in defeat, and it's kind of his character as the underdog. Style's kind of the same thing. Not everyone has that, can say that. You know, I mean, like, Kevin Owens has this 50-50 booking about him. He still feels special, but it just gets nobody over, especially with guys like Sheamus, Del Rio, and Rusev, who are already damaged as it is. When you do the 50-50 booking, they don't progress anywhere. Del Rio's in the same place he was six months ago. He has no change in the last six months since he came back to the company. It's a shame. That's just the way that it works. I mean, and you need heels right now too. I mean, we've talked about that too. I mean, Corbin's on his way up, which is good. Um, you add Jericho Owens. and Owens; they're good as well. But we need more heels, especially we, when Jericho leaves, probably it, presumably soon, sooner rather than later. Exactly. And we have two faces in the main event scene right now. You know, for now anyway, between Reigns and Styles, you need. I'm not saying I want to see Sheamus and Reigns again for the title, but we need more heels in the mid card because even the mid card doesn't really even mean anything. Kalisto wasn't even on. He hasn't been on TV for weeks. Where was Ryback last night? You know what I mean? They're promoting a match of the kickoff show, and they haven't been on TV in like a month. 
But we'll talk about that. Um, anyway, so moving on to the next matchup, the tag team division. The finals are this Sunday at Payback, the Vaude Villain versus Enzo and Cass. In the finals, the number one contender WWE Tag Team Title Tournament. And uh, they all confronted each other last night in a segment involving the New Day. Good stuff. Pretty simple. Straightforward. The Vaude Villains, I think, are getting better. I think their promo here and their promo on SmackDown last week was pretty good. Um, not saying they've completely changed my mind on them and that they're going to get over, but there is more hope for me anyway than there was, you know, even two, three weeks ago. So I thought they did well here. The New Day was their usual entertaining selves. Same thing with Enzo and Cass. I think the Vaudevillain specifically, though, um, really kind of changed my mind in terms of how they – not completely, like I said, but at least a little indication in, in terms of where they can go from here. But, uh, Donnie, your thoughts on the segment between uh, the uh, three tag teams going into Sunday? An awesome segment. I think that uh, I think I agree with you with the Vaude Villains. I always liked the Vaude Villains in NXT. I liked the Vaude Villains when they were given the opportunity to speak. Because yes, they're not they're, they're not the best when cutting an impromptu promo. Maybe they're not they're not the best on the cu- off the cuff. But honestly, when they cut a promo that they believe in, that they're behind, they're fairly good. And we saw it on SmackDown, and they translated that to Raw. They're a good a good heel to go up against. Uh, to go up against Enzo and Cass. And also in that same vein, when we'll get the predictions, I also believe that they're going to end up winning this matchup due to the Dudley screwing over uh, Enzo and Cass. Mm-hmm. So the Vaudevillain's also going to be the heels going up against the New Day. So they have to, in the ring with both of those teams last night, it was very important that they stood up on their own two feet and looked strong enough to stand with both teams. And I thought they did that because I do feel like they will fight Enzo and Cass first. They will win that match because of interference, and then they'll go on to fight the New Day. So it's very important that they do start changing your mind and get over. And not only – I don't care if they get reactions from the fans positively. They have to get heel reactions. They're a heel team. And they're not out there trying to do anything fancy and trying to get reactions. They're trying to get heat. And as a heel tag team going up against two – Super popular face teams in the New Day and End Zone Cast. You need a heel team that has some heat, and that's what the Vaudevillains are trying to do. Which is, and it, will it work? I don't know, but they're trying and they're doing well at it. I think it's important that they don't get cold feet like they did with Tyler Breeze and so many characters before, where they're not getting over it first. They completely abandon the gimmick. I mean, they're in the finals of the tournament. They're wrestling on Sunday on the pay per view, so. That's a step in the right direction, so we'll see where that leads. But I'm glad they look like equals here, and the New Day didn't brush them off as, like, oh, you're rookies, you're nothing to us, which they shouldn't have done anyway because they're baby faces. That would have made no sense. Um, but I like the dynamic, though. I was talking about it with Tom about a, you know, a couple days ago, how the Vaude villains are like the eight, like they said it last night, the, the line was kind of corny, but we're going to party like it's 1899. You know what I mean? That whole dynamic between them, Enzo and Cass, like these these boys versus the men, the Vaude villains, like it's a cool dynamic. And then versus the, the New Day should be very similar, too, because they're very goofy as well. But um, RJ, I know you, they, they've kind of grown on you, too, the Vaude villains, so I want to get your thoughts on this segment. I thought the segment was really good for the Vaude villains. You said they kind of stuck out as the heel tag team that the tag team division really needs besides Gallows and Anderson who just recently debuted um they really don't have any heel tag teams besides them and um what about the Ascension oh my god don't <laughs> even count them or the Source <laughs> Outcast so they pretty much have no heel tag team so the Vaude Villains like you said had a good promo on SmackDown a good promo last night on Raw and th- like you said they held their own they looked equal at the end zone cast and the New Day so um like Donnie said I think they'd probably get over on Sunday due to interference with the Deadly Boys but um, we'll save our predictions for later on. Sounds good. And like you said, perfect segue there into Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows making their in-ring debut, specifically Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Obviously wrestled before in Raw, but you know what I mean. As a tag team making their in-ring debut on Monday Night Raw against the Usos. 
a match that was longer than it should have been at almost 14 minutes. The VOD villains beat the Usos in like three minutes last week in Raw. It took them almost 15 minutes to beat them this week on Raw, uh, Gallows and Anderson, which, I mean, I guess you could say the Usos were injured last week when they attacked the week before, but even still, I think it should have been more of a squash than what it was, but still a good match, a strong debut for these guys. I think obviously what stood out was their attire, which looks great. They got a cool theme. They look badass in the ring. They're allowed to do what they were doing in New Japan, which I think is awesome. They're keeping their names. They have the same gear, same look. I think Gallows used to do, like, face paint when he was over there in New Japan, so maybe he saves that for, like, I know when Balor came over, he's not doing the body paint, but then he saved it for the special. So maybe we see something similar with Gallows, and maybe he wrestles or uses it at, I don't think he's wrestling on Sunday, but, um, you know, beyond that, one of the pay-per-views, maybe he uses the face paint or the body paint, whatever. But anyway, uh, good match, good debut for these guys. They got attacked by Roman Reigns afterwards. They would even the score uh, later on in the night, which we'll get to when we talk about the main event. But uh, good stuff here. RJ, your thoughts on the in-ring debut of the former Bullet Club members? I thought it was a good match. Um, like you said, a little long, a little long with uh, 14 minutes. But um, it is what it is. They kind of had to build that feud with the Usos. You couldn't just squash them right away. Because then they, like, why would they even have to argue with, like, deal with them? If they just squashed them two seconds, they'd be like, we don't even need to bother you. Just push you right over. So, like, the Usos held their own and, like, played their part in the story. Like, they're holding... They're behind uh, Roman Reigns, and then Gallows and Anderson behind AJ Styles. So kind of like those two tag teams kind of equal, I guess. But um, in the end, they won with uh, the Magic. What's it, Magic Killer? Magic Killer, yeah. Magic Killer. Love that move. It's a sick move. Great and move. then, um, like I said, beat up the Usos, and Big Dog came down for the save, and they got their revenge later on in the show. But um, very good debut. Never seen Carl Anderson wrestle before, so I was very intrigued by uh, his performance. Same. I think I've seen him wrestle maybe once on like a Wrestle Kingdom show a couple years ago. But other than that, I haven't seen him wrestle before. The guy's great, obviously. He's very, very good. So you're a big fan of the Machine Gun, like you said. Yep. Big fan of the Love Festus, too. <laughs> he looks great. Like you said, yep. he's ripped, like complete 180 from like 10 years ago. Complete 180, you know, physical appearance-wise, just intimidating factor, intimidating presence. It's great. Very imposing presence on uh, Monday Night Raw. So, Donnie, your thoughts on the in-ring debut of the former Bullet Club members, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Did they get it right? Okay, the, yeah, the match is a little long, but I think this is a good way for them to show a lot of what they have. I think they are two very old-school style, a bruising tag team. Uh, when you think about Japanese wrestling, you think of guys like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody and Vader and the tag teams that those guys were part of. Uh, and, and when I think of those guys, I think of just rough. I think of smash mouth. I think of grinding down. I think of picking a limb and working it throughout a match. And I thought, yes, it was 14 minutes, but it took 14 minutes for them to show all of their cards to the fans. Uh, so you could say this is what they're about. Some people just won't like it because it's not a new style of wrestling. It's not fast-paced. It's more. It's the same people who don't like Bray Wyatt for his, his grind-out heel tactics in matches. It's a, that's the, what you're going to get from um, from Gallows and Anderson because they do like to work a limb. They do like to pick you apart, cut the ring off. And it's classic tag team wrestling. I really, really have always liked that. Um, I, I thought Anderson pulling his knee pad down to expose his bare knee and drive it into the, uh, to, into the Uzo's arm. Those are, that's stuff you saw from Ric Flair in the 1980s in NWA. These are great old-school things that people who have gone back and watched or who watch it live can really appreciate because it, it's something that you don't see as much anymore. And their gear is cool, too. I don't know what they're going to be called. I don't know if it's going to be Baylor coming up or they're going to align themselves with AJ and they'll give themselves a name then. 
But for right now, them establishing, establishing themselves as a tag team is good. They're establishing, establishing their credibility with the casual fans who do not know them as well. So when they eventually do align and form a group with whoever the stable leader will be, it's more impactful. So in that sense, I thought the longer match was good. It helps people understand who they are, what they're about. And when you have a longer match like that where they just beat the faces up for the whole time, it's easy for fans to turn on them because they are still intended on being heels. They're going to be cool heels, like NWO was cool heels, but they're still heels, so they have to do heel tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot like the Revival, they remind me a lot of them in NXT, like the you know traditional old-school way of you know being a heel, basically, as a tag team. And I feel like the biggest question for the past eight months in SummerSlam is, who's going to take the tag team titles off of New Day? Because no one else really came close. I mean, in, in this entire tournament, we've had eight teams. And like I've told you before, RJ, that's not even including the New Day, who obviously weren't involved in the tournament. You had League of Nations, Wyatt Family, Primo and Epico coming back. That's Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. That's like 12 or 13 teams right there. But no one at the end of the day really comes close. Enzo and Cass are getting there. Obviously, they'll be there at some point. The Vaude Villains, they're building them up very nicely. Um, the Dragons, been there, done that. The Usos, been there, done that five times over. No real tag team came close to matching the popularity in the level that the New Day have been at since the summer of last year. And I think we finally have that answer in Anderson and Gallows. I don't know if the Vaude Villains will beat them for the belts. We'll talk about that later. I don't think so, but who knows? Uh, we've seen stranger things happen. But uh, I think the answer is right here in Anderson and Gallows. I think, you know, beyond payback and maybe going into SummerSlam, if they save that for that pay-per-view or before that, I don't know. I think these guys can really take the tag team division by storm. So we'll see. But I think it's those old school tactics, the little things, like you said, Donnie, that really make them a great tag team. Um, so before we get into the next match, we had Sami Zayn versus Rusev. But what I really want to talk about was the video package that aired before the, that aired before the matchup, highlighting the rivalry between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And not like one of those, they put up a little video on their YouTube channel, I think on Monday, actually, on their Twitter, whatever. It was like a minute long talking about the history between Owens and Zayn. It wasn't like that. It was like a five-minute long video talking about everything. They talked about Owens' debut. They obviously showed the pictures that they've always showed to these guys, like in Rome or whatever, which is great. Um, the attack, uh, NXT TakeOver, our evolution in December of 2014. So we're going back a year and a half now. They talked about him beating him for the championship a couple months later, putting him on the shelf. How Owens made his Raw debut before Sami Zayn. Technically, it was the other way around because Zayn wrestled like two weeks before that against John Cena. But official Raw debut as a superstar was Kevin Owens. They talked about the Rumble return. They showed footage of that twice. They showed footage of their match at WrestleMania and the multi-man ladder match and all the brawls they've had in recent weeks. Great stuff. And it's, again, it's the little things that make this feud so great. And I think the title of the video on YouTube was Why Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are destined to fight forever. And it's the truth. I think these guys are a lot like... You know, uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, even a more in recent incarnation of with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, that these guys can feud forever. And I mean, you can go back to this feud at years down the line with the roles reversed and stuff like that as a tag team with opponents, whatever, and it still works. It's a dynamic that it just it works, and they gel very well together, obviously, because they have that real life chemistry. And we saw that in this video package here. And as a sucker for like small little like touches and stuff, I thought they did this. Very, very well. And like with Owens calling himself the victim and stuff like that, it's like it's classic KO, and that's what makes it so great. So anyway, the match was good too. Zayn won with a roll-up. Um, good stuff. Winning as like the underdog that he is, picking up a rare win on Raw. So good stuff all around. Uh, Donnie, your thoughts on the match, and more importantly, the video package highlighting the feud between KO and Sami Zayn. 
Well, I mean, it's good Sami Zayn won heading into the pay-per-view because he needs that. He lost two matches, uh, the two previous matches. But it goes back to what we're talking about with League of Nations. Why is Rusev taking a loss here? Why isn't this someone different? Why isn't this? This is where a jobber would come into play. Rusev should be a heel that could be portrayed. When he fought John Cena, you legitimately believed he could beat John Cena. I know looking back, we should have never believed that. <laughs> but you believed he could have beat him because he was built that well. Now it's just, it's, you're like, that guy was that guy? Is that real? That's unbelievable. Uh, my problem here is, again, I'm just going to yell about WWE because it's what I do. I hate what they've done to Owens and Zayn because as much as a casual fan saw this video and was like, oh, that's pretty cool, I, you're one week from the pay-per-view, less than a week from the pay-per-view. That casual fan does not have the time to get behind this feud. We are behind this feud because me, as a fan, I saw in 2005 in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, I saw these two guys fight against each other. And in 2015, I saw them fight against each other again. So you're looking at over 10 years of fighting each other from my own personal uh, perspective. So I know the history between these guys. But as a casual fan, what has the WWE told me about Sami Zayn since he came back? Nothing. He came back, and he's been fighting against Owens. They haven't given me any backstory on Owens or any backstory on Zayn. They haven't given me any backstory on the feud between Owens and Zayn until this week. Basically, I didn't know. If I'm a casual fan, I don't know who Sami Zayn is before this week. Now at least I know, okay, he's got a problem with this guy. I don't know who he is. We, don't, we haven't had that vignette talking to me about how Sami Zayn got to the point where he is on the main roster, which I think we need desperately with his character. People talk about how he has it, how he can be one of the guys who can get over as a world champion in WWE. Well, guess what? For that, you need organic support, and for that, you need vignettes. You need videos. You need stories. You need character development. Unfortunately, before this vignette that we saw yesterday or Monday, we had nothing about Sami Zayn. Just that, that's it. They won't mention anything. So is it a step in the right direction? Yes. Is it a little too late for payback for casual fans? Probably so. Is it, is it a step in the right direction? I want to say yes, but I don't know. I'm very jaded about all this. because from the, from the second Zayn stepped in the ring, at Royal Rumble, they should have been talking about him and Owens and their destiny to fight each other for the rest of their lives. But they haven't. It wasn't until this week. So, I think it, just, I think it exposes a bigger issue with not only Sami Zayn, but I think pretty much everyone that's getting called up recently, like especially guys like Apollo Crews, like why should I care about this guy? I mean, we all care about him because we watch him in NXT and in some cases on the indies too. But for the casual viewer, what do they know about Apollo Crews other than he's good in the ring, he smiles a lot, and that's about it. You know, I mean, they showed a video package for him like a week ago. That was like a minute long. Not as good as they – remember like a year ago? Not a year ago. It was like five months ago. On NXT, they had that video package like on Apollo Crews' family or something like that. It was weird. I mean, it was not a year ago. Like I said, it was only a few months ago. It was right before he faced Balor for the title. It was great. It was like a two-part series. They did the same thing with Balor before he won the championship back last summer. Stuff like that is what we need. We need more – character development. They did the same thing with Becky. They turned her into someone that I didn't give two craps about into one of those popular, you know, current women on the roster through her natural character development. We didn't get that with women for a long time until just recently. Um, we need that more with Enzo and Cass. Like, these guys just come in. They're entertaining. That's why people cheer them. And I feel like the casual viewers are cheering them at the shows because the hardcore fans are cheering them. And they're chanting along with the Olay and they're chanting the theme song because they're doing it and they're kind of following in the footsteps. But beyond that, why should they care whether they win or lose? Like on Sunday, I really don't mind who wins or loses because I care about both guys. But um, in the eyes of the casual viewer, they don't know anything about either guy. But uh, like Donnie said, I think it was too little too late. I love the video package. 
waiting until the week before the pay-per-view is like a desperate attempt to get the feud over. But um, they just need to do that more of that. I mean, I know it sounds stupid to say it sounds obvious, but they, the things like that that matter most. But uh, RJ, you're a big proponent of character development. So what are your two cents on all this? I love the video, but like Donnie and you said, it's a little too late. Like a week before the pay-per-view, you're going to start doing this. Like you said, casual fans don't know nothing about Kevin Owens. They don't know nothing about Sami Zayn. One guy's a bad guy. One guy's a good guy. Besides that, they don't know anything else. They don't know any of their backstory. So a week before the show, it's kind of late to kind of like try to finally get it over. And like Donnie said, at Royal Rumble, they should have been talking about this. Going into the uh, championship match at WrestleMania, they should have talked about this. They're too worried about other stuff that really didn't matter. So um, it is what it is. I thought it was a really good uh, video package, though. Got their, I thought it got the feud over a little bit more than it was because, like I said, they've pretty much been predominantly focusing on Styles and uh, Reigns. So it was good to see another match on the card getting uh, a little bit more attention. But um, Zayn beating Rusev, it is what it is. Rusev's done Next to nothing since getting buried by John Cena. And, and he was buried. And he was buried. <laughs> I use this term very loosely. He was buried. Um, and it just is what it is. I, I think it's a little too late for him now. People just don't care. But maybe they can make some attempt to try to make him a big heel again. But it's just probably going to fail because they just don't get behind him. They had the chance last year. And it was the hottest you would probably ever be. And they dropped the ball on that. So Question, was that the same guy who came out in a tank at WrestleMania last year? Yes. Is that the same guy? Yep. Oh, jeez, wow. <laughs> wow, what a difference a year makes. But anyway, so I spoke about Apollo Crews earlier. He beat Stardust last night with a little match. Better than the social outcast, I guess. It's a, it's a step in the right direction, but it's not saying much. So any thoughts on this, RJ? It is what it is. He doesn't have a real feud, so people like just don't care. At least, at least yeah. Baron Corbin's facing Ziggler. It's not mean much because Ziggler's kind of a loser, but... At least he has a direction. At least he has an opponent at payback. Paul Cruz is just beating just random people every week. And it's like, oh, I like your dad, now I'm going to beat you. Okay? Like, it was just so random. And like <laughs> you said, at least not the so El Cast, but then you give him a legit feud. If, if not, then people just won't care. You think Cody Rhodes is coming back? No. No. <laughs> I think we can put that to rest. Just because they mentioned Cody Rhodes on Raw does not mean that he's coming back. They've been playing this game for like a decade now. Not really. It's been like two years. But you know what I mean? It feels like a decade. Because it seems like every single time that people get their hopes up that Cody Rhodes is coming back, because they mentioned him on Raw that one time, he does, it doesn't happen. They've been doing this forever, so I don't know why people are getting their hopes up. I get the question all the time. You think Cody Rhodes is coming back? No, he's not coming back. If he is coming back, it's going to be when we least expect it. Trust me. It's not going to be in a backstage segment with Apollo Crews. <laughs> I think maybe so, because they don't care about the guy anymore. But anyway, uh, Donnie, any thoughts on this Crews versus Stardust? No. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to add some witty insight, but I've got nothing here. I'm so sad for Apollo Cruz. I love Apollo Cruz. I think he has uh, world championship potential, but I felt like he should have stayed in NXT for a lot longer to develop a character, to develop his voice as a person in the WWE because that was our that was our problem with him in NXT, and that problem didn't go away by making the jump to WWE. As a matter of fact, jumping to the main roster will only magnify the problem. That was the biggest issue. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see Cruz in the main roster. The guy's great, but like you said, I, I mean, Arthur, even you said this when he got called up. It's way too soon. I mean, he was only in NXT for like eight months, and that's not to say that you can't get called up in eight months. I mean, Kevin Owens did. Kevin Owens got called up in five months, but Cruz, he didn't have a character. Owens did, you know, so it was way too soon. He didn't really do much in NXT before getting called up. He had a couple good feuds, a couple good matches, but never won the title as I thought he probably should as, as you said too, RJ, but... uh. I mean, at this point, you can't go backwards. I mean, they can't bring him back down to NXT at this point. Otherwise, it's like, why did you bring him up to begin with? Now they just kind of go with, they have to go with what they have. Um, 
like I said before, maybe you pair him with Ryback. I mean, it's not really the smartest choice. There's just no other obvious feuds right now. I know Ryback is facing Kalista on Sunday in a match no one even knows is happening. I can't even say people don't care about. People don't even know what's happening. But uh, we'll get to that later. But I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I can't crap on this yet just because it's only been a couple weeks, and we'll see what's next. If he's still doing the same thing like a month or two from now, then I'll be really concerned. Right now, it's just we got to wait until after the pay-per-view. I think there's not really a place for him on the pay-per-view card. Um, but after that, though, we did have Dean Ambrose calling out Chris Jericho. And what I thought was a great segment. I've been really happy about this feud since it started. What I thought we were going to get going into WrestleMania. I'm glad things worked out the way they did with Ambrose and Lesnar and then Jericho Styles. I thought it worked out perfectly. We get this feud after WrestleMania. It's a great you know opportunity for Ambrose to finally get that. It's not a huge win, but I mean, beating Jericho is, you know. The last time I think Ambrose won a singles match on pay-per-view via pinfall was a year ago was a year ago against Luke Harper at Extreme Rules. I don't think he's won a match, one-on-one -on -one match at, on a pay-per-view since then, which is pathetic. Oh, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. He beat Owens. At Survivor Series. At, uh, and he beat him at Survivor Series. At TLC. Yeah. At TLC. And he beat him at Survivor Series. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. So other than that, he really <laughs> has not had many big wins uh, on pay-per-view. So this is his time to do that. But I thought the segment itself was really good. You know, Owens not getting, or, uh, rather Ambrose not getting too cute for his own good with his comedy, which he has in the past. No Ambrose Asylum, keeping it serious. Jericho... Great as always, and listening to heat from the crowd, and being the traditional old school arrogant heel that he is, and it's a perfect dynamic with Ambrose. Kept it serious, loved it. I thought the Walls of Jericho on the commentating table doesn't hurt any more than it would in the ring, but it's a cool visual though, so I can't complain. But um, the best thing that we've seen so far from this feud, so I thought it was really good. So Donnie, any thoughts on the segment and the feud overall between Ambrose and Jericho in recent weeks? No, I love what we saw on Monday night. The, the way they interacted with each other was fantastic. That's what you want from heel Jericho going up against face Ambrose. It's okay to add a little bit of humor, but you better get serious when serious comes knocking. It was obvious that Ambrose said sorry, and then he said sorry for and Then he was rolling Jericho with his lines, and that's fun. That was good comedy in that moment, but it got serious following that. And that's all I've really ever asked for the two of them. My problem, like you said, is Ambrose. When he goes too comedy-heavy, and it's not so much on Ambrose, uh, because Ambrose has come out and said in interviews, I hate every inter every promo I cut. I hate in WWE because I can't get behind it. It's not me speaking. It's a writer who's writing this for me. Um, and you can see that sometimes when he's, he's delivering his lines, and he doesn't want to be delivering those lines. Last night, I felt a little different. I felt like, okay, this is a promo I can get behind as a performer. And the result was a great interaction between the two of them. Going back to my problem, as I always have with WWE, why did this happen one week prior to the pay-per-view and not every week since WrestleMania? Why haven't you so every since those two guys came together for what was clearly going to be a match? Why haven't they gone toe to toe on the microphone in a serious manner? Okay, they've done some comedy stuff together, but it didn't get serious until one week prior to the event. Dean Ambrose should have fought him and beat him down, and it should have been from the first moment one of those guys laid hands on each other. It should have been serious. You get a little bit of comedy from here and there, just like you did with Mick Foley when he was Mankind. When Mankind was around, he did his comedy bits, but when it got serious, Mankind could do serious just as good as anyone else. So I, I like what they're doing. I just wish they would do more of it. Use, use Jericho better. Use Ambrose better. They should have done a lot sooner than they did. I mean, I'm glad they did it on the go-home show as opposed to not doing it at all. But, I mean, it really goes back to the same problem as Donnie just you know, illustrated that. They wait until the final week, which is good. I mean, right before the pay-per-view. If that's the last thing I see from these two, I'll probably see them on SmackDown too. But other than that, if that's the last thing that we see between these two before the payback pay-per-view, then I'm psyched for the match. But 
it should have happened a lot sooner. Like people, you can't. It's it's a good last ditch effort, and I appreciate that effort, but they can't be waiting until six days before the pay per view. So RJ, your thoughts in the segment? That was a good segment. Uh, I think Jericho is really coming his own with his new heel persona. I think it's probably one of his best best heel runs as uh, in the company. I I love it. I think he's great as a heel. He's hilarious. Makes fun of the fans. Love the scarf, the vest. Just screams like hate me. The boots too. And the boots. It just screams like hate me, and it's like perfect for a heel. <laughs> and um, I think like you said, Ambrose kind of gets cute sometimes on the mic. I hate his like humor. I think it's just like. If you're a lunatic, then why are you trying to be funny? It just doesn't make sense. But um, I think this should be a good feud. It should be a good match. Probably go on till Extreme Rules. Probably, I assume, because Extreme Rules is only three weeks after Payback. So I assume most of these matches are happening on Sunday. Probably will happen again at Extreme Rules with a stipulation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Like you said, Jericho, you said one of his best heel runs. I would say one, one of his, his best, best runs, runs yeah, period. Yeah, say runs, too. At least not. Maybe not. Maybe even ever. I don't know, but just in recent years. I mean, the guy's had, what, seven runs with the company? I couldn't even tell you this when I lost track after ten. But, I mean, even in recent years, when he came back, he wasn't back last year. He was back in 2014 with a thing with Wyatt, which was underwhelming. It was all right. It was underwhelming. His stuff with Von Dyke in 2013 was a waste. The 2012, the stuff with Punk was great. So probably for the first time in four years, I feel, like I've always been a Jericho-holic, but for the first time in four years, he feels fresh. He feels invigorated. Yeah, exactly. The best time, the best thing that he's done since the the face stuff four years ago. That when he's going, yeah, yeah, come on, baby. Like that was great. And it felt real. I don't know. It felt different. So we're finally getting that with Jericho. It's like you're gonna kiss my seven hundred and fifty dollar boots right here, right now. And he's like, why would I do that? It's, I don't know. It's great. Um, anyway, after that, we had Natalia and Emma. Decent match. Natalia won, and Charlotte hit behind Ric Flair, and that was about it. Any thoughts on this, Sergeant? Uh, Emma tapped out in like two minutes. <laughs> Boo. The finish came out of no- I thought it was a good match. The finish came out of nowhere, though. She was on offense, and then literally a camera angle changed, and then I saw her in the sharpshooter, and then she tapped out. It's like, did I miss something? Did I blink or something? I don't know what happened. Uh, any other thoughts on this, though? No. Nothing. I don't care. I like Emma, and they were still doing the feud between Becky and Emma. They did something on the YouTube page last night. They haven't even had contact since like that segment on SmackDown like, like two three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, they've yeah. been talking about it on commentary, but that's it. I don't know. It's very strange. But um, anyway, Donnie, any thoughts on Natalia, Emma? Yeah, why is Emma taking this loss? Where's Alicia Fox? Where's exactly. these people who have nothing to do who should be taking? Where's Summer Rae to be taking this loss? Mm-hmm. Why are we giving this to a woman who's involved in another feud that we're also not mentioning? My problem is, okay, here, another problem. I just gripe about WWE. Welcome to my <laughs> life. WrestleMania 32, my favorite match of that card was the women's match. But looking at that match, where's Sasha? Where's Becky? Coming out of that match, especially Sasha, she should be booked in a secondary storyline saying, hey, and she's got a legitimate gripe. Hey, I could have won that match. It wasn't for your dad. Hold my foot. Keep me out of that decision. And Becky Lynch is a great performer. Like you said, she is. she's blossomed into arguably the best woman on the roster right now. And... She's involved with nothing. She was eating food on a WWE.com exclusive last <laughs> night. And it was still better than freaking two hours of the content out of the three hours and 15 minutes I got yesterday. So it's it's ass backwards. I, I always hope that the women's division will be changed for the positive. Uh, but one of the things that needs to happen for that to be a thing, you need to have secondary storylines in the women's division, and they still cannot pull that off. 
It seems like, we, like you said, we have one with Emma and Becky, but I don't even know if we can really say that because they haven't been on TV in weeks. I mean, I know Emma has been. Where the hell has Becky been, though? Like you said, Sasha. food and, comment and catering. And it was really funny, too. I saw the video. I have to see it, you, Yeah, I'll show you I need you to afterwards. see it, then. It's really funny, and I mean tears afterwards. But anyways. Yeah, don't put don't put it on roll, though, because we don't have time. In our <laughs> three hour and 15 minutes, we don't have time. Also, Ziggler cut an amazing promo behind the scenes, too. Let's not put that on television either, please, because the last thing we need on a program, like a three-hour program, is entertaining content. Yeah, Icky. exactly. See, you've got to have, have more authority promos. got to have more 15-minute opening segments and just random. I need more stuff. Michael Cole in my life. I need <laughs> Michael Cole telling me about things. <laughs> exactly. I need more Michael Cole said no one ever. But anyway, uh, yeah, dude, I, ex- I fully expect them to bring Sasha back on the TV in time for SummerSlam, but it's going to feel so inconsistent. Like, where the hell have you been for the past three months before you go back for the belt in Brooklyn? <laughs> can I can I say something yeah, to that real quick? We, we were talking before, and uh, Money in the Bank, We I, I believe that Money in the Bank could have a women's division Money in the Bank match this year. You and think I think so? it should. Yes. So if that, if that comes to fruition and Sasha Banks wins that, I'm a little bit more accepting of the fact that she's been off television for so long and kind of out of storylines because they're keeping her out of sight, out of mind right now, mm-hmm. which I feel like they're doing with the Dudleys too. So when they, when they get involved with the, the end zone cast, you, you're less expecting of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, if they're doing that with Sasha, I'll be, I'll forgive all of this. If Sasha comes out with the money in the bank briefcase and can do the cash in at SummerSlam or something like that in Brooklyn, where it would be poetic justice. But that's giving a lot of credit, a lot of credit to WWE, and I'm just not sure I'm willing to do that right now. Yeah, I, I like the idea. I never heard that before. I mean, I've heard the idea of a Money in the Bank ladder match, but I haven't heard that before. I mean, with the idea that the revolution, not revolution, but with the, the revamping of the vision going on right now, I think the timing would be right. I mean, I've been against it in the past just because the landscape of the division has never been as great as it is right now. But if you put women who can work in there and not Rosa Mendez and Cameron, like if you put people like... You know, obviously Charlotte, Becky. Sasha Banks, Becky, Naomi. Emma, Paige, Naomi, like people that can go and not people who could potentially kill themselves. If they put Alicia Fox in there, she's going to cut someone's head off. I have no, <laughs> I have no doubt about that at all. Well, so. don't, don't forget, we, we saw Taryn Terrell and Taryn Terrell, whatever the hell her name uh, is, Kim. and uh, Gail Kim yeah. in TNA in 2014. They had an amazing, uh, amazing series of matches yeah. with hardcore stipulations. So I have no doubt that you could get five or six women on this roster right now be in that match and have a great match. Absolutely. I think if you have the right components and the right feud as those two did a couple years ago, that was really a landmark match for women's wrestling and it was a fantastic match. So if you have the same thing with Becky and or rather Becky even and you know Sasha and Charlotte, I mean you get a last women's standing match like we did with Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim a couple years ago in any combination of those women at SummerSlam or maybe at Extreme Rules who knows, like I told you, maybe we see Natalia and Charlotte, again, at Extreme Rules inside a steel cage. We haven't had a women's steel cage match in over a decade, so who knows? And Natalia's a great worker, too, so that'd be a really good match. But anyway, so before we get into the predictions, last couple things. Corbin Sando never came to fruition. Ziggler attacked Corbin, whatever. Uh, Cesaro Miz was what it was. We'll just talk about the main event real quick before we get into the predictions here. Uh, Reigns and Del Rio, good match. Reigns wins. Afterwards, out comes Gallows and Anderson to attack Roman Reigns. Styles comes out to block them off. Reigns attacks Styles, and then Styles attacks Roman Reigns after... It's a whole bunch of chaos, but mass chaos to end Raw, good stuff. And like I said, the biggest focal point, the biggest talking point coming out of Raw last night with these guys. So, RJ, your thoughts on uh, the ending segment of Raw? Did it get you psyched for payback? Uh, I think it did its justice. Um, I thought it was like, like you said, the match was what it was. Um, it was like 10.45. I'm like, can this show just be over? I'm tired of 
Raw draft. I felt like it really dragged last night, but um, Reigns versus Del Rio was what it was. Like you said, Anderson and Gallus come out, attack Reigns. Styles comes to protect, protect Reigns. Reigns attacks him. So don't get that, but whatever. And then Styles gets up, hits him with a phenomenal forearm, ends Raw. It was good. I mean, it is what it is. It's pretty straightforward, but yep. I like how they're doing it because they're playing up. And you still don't know. It's not obvious whether they're with AJ or Reigns or, like I said, a higher power. Who knows? We'll find out on Sunday. But I thought it was a great way to end Raw. So, Donnie, any ending thoughts on the conclusion of Raw last night? No, you muddy the waters. That's what you had to do. As a, uh, as, as a company, your idea going into this match, which is face versus face right now between Roman Reigns and AJ Styles, is to add intrigue for – to me, I felt like it was so over-obvious that, you know what, the Anderson and Gallows are going to turn on AJ because of what's been going on. But now now with AJ attacking Reigns because he attacked him first, now now all bets are off. Maybe he does say, you know what, after this, I'm going to align with my boys because you can't just punch me like that. I don't care. You know what, I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be nice, but you just pushed me over the edge. So in that moment, even the people who thought they had this figured out, now there's a little bit of a doubt. So I like that. There's a lot of ways that can go. Like I said, there's a lot of different directions that can go, and that's why we, you know, I'm, I'm psyched for payback on Sunday, if only for that main event. So we'll get right into it now. Uh, U.S. title match on the kickoff show, no one cares about. No one even knows it's happening because I haven't been on TV in a year. Uh, Kalisto, Ryback, Donnie, who do you got going over here? Uh, can, me. I'm going to sleep during this match. No, I, I don't know. Kalisto, I don't care at all. And it doesn't matter at all. It, there has been no build, literally no build at all to this. And if there's a title change, it means nothing. If Kalisto wins, it means nothing. I don't, I don't care. Kalisto wins because I don't care. It's funny because Ryback was complaining about being in the pre-show at WrestleMania, so they put him on the pre-show for uh, for Payback too. I thought that was pretty fun. I don't know if that. I doubt it was intentional. I just thought it was a great coincidence. Argy, who do you got going over here? Kalisto, yes. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't care either. Uh, real losers of fans. I like Kalisto, but they literally have done nothing with him as United States champion, so I honestly don't care about either guy. I like Kalisto, but I guess Kalisto. You got to go Kalisto. You're not like it like really I said, it's not like Ryback won. People, people wouldn't even care because the, yeah. that belt hasn't been on Raw in like a month. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. We got Kalisto too. Uh, Ziggler and Baron Corbin, RJ? Baron Corbin. It's got to be Baron. If Ziggler wins, it's not like last <laughs> year where if Ziggler wins and when he beats Sheamus and then Corbin attacks him afterwards, he can't lose. He cannot. They're under no <laughs> exception, under no circumstance, should Dolph Ziggler win. I'm done. But Baron Corbin should win, and I think he will win. Um, any thoughts on this, Donnie? Who do you got going over? Well, now that you just said that, I assume that Vince McMahon is going to hear this and be like, oh, so he thinks that I'm not going to freaking put Ziggler over? Wait a he sees what I do. That's what, that's what WrestleMania felt like. I was like, there's yeah. no way Jericho beats, you know what I mean? There's no way Jericho's going to beat Styles. There's no way that uh, freaking Zack Ryder's going to win this. No way. He heard me say those things, and he's like, uh-uh, you're dumb. So, yeah, Baron Corbin, in my mind, in my heart, logic tells me Baron Corbin should just kind of – It'll be a good match, but at the end, Corbin's going to whip up on Ziggler's ass. And he should, because he is being booked as this tough, top heel guy. So, yeah, you got to put him over Ziggler. It's got to be Corbin. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. And if Ziggler wins, that makes sense for WWE, because they like to do the opposite, like you said. Um, after that, in the finals of the WWE Tag Team Title Number One Contenders Tournament, Enzo Amore and Colin Cass against the Vaude Villains. Uh, Donnie, who do you got? I said it earlier, I think the Blood Villains win because um, the Dudley boys get involved. They fight Enzo and Cass. 
They beat them down. They get involved somehow. The Vaudevillains advance because the Vaudevillains need something like this. They need a title match. I need to need a feud against um, a New Day to build their credibility. And then you can give me Enzo and Cass as a secondary storyline against the Dudley Boys in the tag team, tag team division. So basically, and essentially, you have three with users going against um, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. You have three feuds in the tag team division. Right? Just give them two. And give the women an extra one. You know, you don't need three in the tag team. Let's spread the love around a little bit. So, I think the Vaude Villains win. I agree. I feel like Dudley Boys do get involved here, as they should. Tossing in the win. Vaude Villains go over. Vaude Villains. Yeah, it's to be Vaude Villains. I mean, I love Enzo and Cass, but that makes the most sense. Um, for the Women's Championship, WWE Women's Championship, Charlotte, Natalia. Charlotte. Charlotte. Easy answer. Easy answer. <laughs> it's got to be Charlotte. Natalia might get her moment, but it would make no sense. And I don't even think Bret Hart even wants to be there, according to what he said on Twitter or something like that. He said, I don't even want to be a payback. They're still advertising him anyway, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I got Charlotte going over here. Uh, Donnie, who do you got? It's, it's got to be Charlotte. I just can't wait to see Bret Hart's bitter face when he <laughs> is yelling, and he's like, oh, this is not good. Four out of ten. He's going to give this match. Yeah. Even though this, this could be the best match of the night because – well, Sami Zayn Owens, too. But these two women never have bad matches. We saw an NXT roadblock. It was one of the best matches of that show. So when these two women fight each other, it's, it's fantastic. It's Flair and Bret Hart interacting. That should be fun. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, this will be a fun match. Charlotte will win, but it'll be fun. I agree. It should be a good match, despite the fact that Natalia is not really a threat to the title anymore. Um, after that, for the Intercontinental Championship, Miz versus Cesaro. Donnie, who do you got going over here and taking the title? Uh, I want Cesaro to win, but I could easily see uh, the Miz, Maurice getting involved and causing a disqualification or something like that. The Miz just retains. Cesaro wins that disqualification. Miz retains the title. You drag this into extreme rules, and then that's where you give Cesaro the championship. I say Miz retains. I don't know how it happens. Like you said, I feel like just going into extreme rules or maybe even the pay-per-view after that, I feel like Miz. I mean, it's not uncommon for him to lose the belt a month after winning it. That's happened like four times with him before, but... I, got, I don't know how he wins or how he loses, whatever, DQ, count-out, whatever. Um, but I got Miz retaining, RJ? Uh, you got to have Miz retaining here. I think uh, Maurice is probably going to evolve somehow. The Dirty Tactics maybe set up a steel cage, Extreme Rules, to eliminate Maurice from uh, involving herself. I like it. Good stipulation. Makes sense, too, which is why they probably won't do it. So. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do it. I, did you just use logic? Please stop that. <laughs> Dean Ambrose versus Trish Jericho. Like I said, a match I'm looking forward to. Should be really good. Uh, RJ, who do you got going over? This actually, I think this is probably one of the tougher ones. To, I think the uh, final three matches are pretty tough, or at least the, at least these next two. I mean, it could go either way. I'll say Jericho. Okay. I'll say Jericho wins here, and then they'll face at Extreme Rules. And Ambrose wins Ambrose there. Ambrose wins there. I'll go Ambrose here. I feel like Jericho won at WrestleMania, and I don't know if he's gonna give himself two pay-per-view victories. And then again, I didn't think he was gonna beat AJ at WrestleMania, so who knows? But uh, I don't know. I'll go with I'll, I'll go with Dean. I'm feeling a little on the fringe. I'm feeling the lunatic fringe. So I'll go with Ambrose. Uh, Donnie, tiebreaker, who do you got? I feel like Ambrose should win. He lost to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and he has lost a lot of big matches. You need to start giving him big wins. I absolutely think he should win here, and I wouldn't mind if this feud just – Ambrose wins clean, Jericho beats him up. He's, maybe Ambrose rolls him up and gets a, a, maybe a, a cheaper win, not a clean, outright finish win. And then you get Jericho attacking him after the match, showing that it's continuing on to Extreme Rules. You give them an Extreme Rules match, which I think could be amazing between these two guys, and you give Ambrose a clean win there. That way the guy gets two victories over Jericho. His credibility is up. Jericho doesn't need these wins. He didn't need to win against AJ, to be honest with you, but I could see why they did it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, Jericho doesn't need these wins. Ambrose, I want, I want two wins over Jericho from Ambrose. 
I like it. That would put him over big time and at least make up, at least partly for his loss to Lesnar at WrestleMania. Uh, after that, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Again, could very well go either way. Donnie, who do you got? Ah, uh, okay. So I want this to go. This may be selfish of me, and I don't know what WWE's thoughts are because it just took them. It took them until like ten minutes ago to give me a storyline for these guys. So I don't know how much they care about this. But this paper, this feud should go three pay-per-views. I could easily see Owen stealing the first win with a dirty pit, getting his feet up on the ropes, a totally um, dirty win, and then you get Zayn. Rolls him up at the next pay per view, and then finally you have the settlement match at the third pay per view, and you have Zane win clean there. Kevin Owens can lose, and it doesn't hurt him. That's the one thing great about good heels. They can just ignore losses, and it's not a big deal. Uh, Zane needs credibility big time. He's been taking losses on Raw far too much. I understand he's got an underdog character, and taking losses builds um, to the fans' support of him organically, but you need to give Sami Zayn credibility in the eyes of the casual fans. And one way to do that is by giving him a win over Kevin Owens. But if it's a longer feud, Kevin Owens should win first, at least say, you know what, uh, and then he could start to heal momentum. Like, yeah, I beat you. I don't even have to worry about you, which can get um, Zayn to chase him, saying, no, I need this title match. You need to give me a match. Or you need to just give me a match, not the title, but you need to give me a match. So I'll take, I'll take Owens this time, Zayn the next two times. I like it. I like it. It makes sense to me. But before we give our predictions, Donnie, I know you got to go, but before we let you go, uh, your prediction for the main event and also where the people can find you. No, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around to the end after. I'm already, I'm already late. I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. RJ, who's your pick for this match? KO, baby. KO? Gotta be KO. Via pinfall clean? Dirty tactics, easily. Dirty tactics, yeah. I think Feeling KO's... the rope, something like that. <laughs> I go KO here, like Donnie said, too. I feel like KO's got to win, and then Sami Zayn beats him the next three times, or in the end, whatever. Um, but yeah, got KO, too. So after that, we got the main event, WWE World WWE Championship, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles. There's a lot of different questions, factors that we have to talk about here. Who do you got going over for the championship? Is there an alliance revealed? Oh, I also forgot about the who's who the hell cares anyway. The hell is revealed as the head of Raw. And your prediction for that too, RJ. But that who wins this match and also um, uh, who is the higher power in this whole alliance thing? Is it AJ Reigns, Finn Balor? Is it Chris Benoit? Who is it? <laughs> Go ahead. I got uh, Shane getting power Raw. So okay. Shane for Raw. Um. I gotta go with Reigns. You cannot vote against Reigns. I would not just make it this big deal just to him lose the title the next month. Um, I think I don't think there'll be a higher power, but I think like Gallows and Anderson might like cost AJ this like the match accidentally. Unintentionally. Unintentionally, yeah. So they don't do the big reveal. Here. So they don't do the big reveal here. Like okay. maybe like they like try to get involved, but like accidentally or intentionally cost them the match. Well, like I said, they're not gonna have Reigns build Reigns all this way up to win WrestleMania just to lose the next month. Uh, styles it makes no sense do you think they can pull a christian with reigns and that he gets this big moment like oh he's finally champion despite the fact they didn't respond as well to that as they did to christian's win five years ago but you know what i mean like maybe he wins or he loses the belt one month after winning it and it's like and he goes psychotic and then he goes heel is that a possibility or no? that's a possibility but i just don't think they're gonna with someone like reigns they're building him up to be a big time christian's just christian yeah no they didn't like christian <laughs> <laughs> they love reigns and they love big dogs so yeah i got reigns going over here I don't think they do the reveal because everyone thinks that they will. I don't think Balor shows up on Sunday. Again, it would be amazing. I don't see it happening because I think we're getting the rematch of TakeOver in a couple months. So it would be weird for him to be like on Raw as like this heel guy with, uh, you know, with Gallows and Anderson, yet he's on NXT as like a babyface chasing Samoa Joe. Like that would be – like I know they did that a couple years ago with guys like Biggie and Rollins and stuff, and there's that disconnect there. But NXT is as prominent as ever. In the WWE universe, so it wouldn't make any sense. So, anyway, yeah, I got Reigns going over here. 
Head of Raw, I'll just go Shane for right now. I feel like it would be like why would they keep him around past WrestleMania if he's not going to be around for like the summer? So I don't know. Either way, he'll stick around. They'll probably do Shane Triple H at SummerSlam. But yeah, I got Reigns still the champion coming out of the show, and I feel like he's not going heel on Sunday. He should, but he probably won't. Uh, Donnie, your thoughts on who's running Raw, who's winning the title here, who's walking out of Chicago with as champion, and uh, who is aligned with who in this matchup? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's gonna be a big. It's a big event. It's a big main event. Uh, so, so it's for, in terms of power of role. I think this is where you get Vince aligning himself with Shane McMahon, saying, "Yeah, he's gonna be in charge." That's where Stephanie McMahon kind of puts her foot down and says, "Dad, you, you pick between him and I, and that's it." And he picks Shane. Well, that's gonna pit. That, that will pit Triple H and Stephanie against Vince and Shane, which eventually I think leads to maybe a SummerSlam match. Maybe it begins a power struggle where they, they, they go against, they have two representatives going up against each other, and that eventually leads to the match that decides who really runs Raw for, for good or runs all of WWE. I don't know if that leads to a brand split. People have said that. I don't really think that that would make as much sense right now. The roster's pretty thin now. We're complaining about not enough heels and all these injuries. I just don't think it's smart right now to do that. Uh, you could do it. Theoretically, I just don't I just don't like it as much as it. But back in the day, they had all the, all the WCW and ECW guys, so it was easy to split the brands apart. Now everybody's kind of together, so I'm not sure if I like that. So Shane stays in power, and then you, you begin uh, the rumblings of the authority against Vince and Shane. Uh, with that said, the main event, I think Reigns successfully retains. I don't know if he wins the match by disqualification or how how it goes, um, because but I, I just feel like they're going to keep the belt on him. They didn't they didn't go through all of this, and I also saw um, Falcon Arrow on Reddit said that you know Reigns the plan is to keep Reigns at the title through at least SummerSlam. So if that's true or not, I don't know. But to me, I feel like you you've done the short reign with him twice already. You need to give him some credibility. My problem is, I always thought like, okay, they're gonna at least add a nice edge to his character, and he's gonna become either a true tweener where he doesn't like anybody, he doesn't care for anybody, he's just this badass guy like Stone Cold was, or they're gonna go full blown heel. My problem is, while they showed signs of it and they had added elements of an edge to his character, he is still a freaking face. He is like buddy buddy with you, those his cousins. He is still so generic when he cuts promos. I really do not like Roman Reigns. And the more he talks, the more he acts like a face, the less I like him. And the fans, a lot of the fans who like wrestling are seeing right through him um, for his for his inefficiencies, and it's not good. So I, while I would love for Styles to, to use the backing of the Bullet Club to, to steal the title from him, um, I just don't think that happens. I think that this is where you probably get – uh, maybe accidental interference that cost in the match, or maybe on purpose. But AJ Styles gets cost the match by Anderson and Gallows. Hopefully, maybe that leads to. And I don't even think Baylor needs the Bullet Club to be with him. But if you could get Baylor to be with Anderson and Gallows going up against AJ, you're talking about an amazing, amazing feud. And then, then from following that, maybe you get uh, the the tag team of Reigns and AJ going up against. Anderson and Gallows and, and even Baylor because it's that Wyatt Reigns tag team dynamic. It's unlikely bedfellows and how interesting. Even if you don't like those two guys, those two guys tagging up, it was super interesting because you're like, man, I've never seen this. And in wrestling, it's hard to say I've never seen something. Well, seeing AJ go up against Baylor, the two former leaders of the Bullet Club, 
And adding Reigns in there as an element of like, yeah, I'll back you up, Styles. You, you earned my respect. They didn't. They, you were right. They you weren't. They weren't working for you. So I think that could be cool too. I, I think AJ is money as a face in WWE. Um, but with all this, with all that said, I could absolutely see them turning AJ Styles heel because they need heels and him just. You know what I mean? Winning the, I could see him literally winning the title thanks to them, and then you have Reigns chasing it because WWE believes in Reigns as a freaking top face. So maybe him chasing the Bullet Club only to eventually defeat all of them in John Cena style <laughs> is a haunting is a haunting possibility that still looms in the back of my mind. I think Reigns wins, retains the title somehow, but in the back of my mind, I still see Super Cena and the possibility of him rearing his ugly head. I could see. Now that you say that, it brings back memories, horrid memories of Cena destroying every member of the Nexus one <laughs> by one by one. The shovel came down and the Nexus was extinct forever. And I could very well see them doing that. And this is even worse because you got bigger stars in Gallows, Anderson, and uh, AJ Styles. Wow, that's a bad thought to have. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Well, and and they, and they were and the problem for me is they were they became stars somewhere else. Yes, and as yeah. someone who's watched the, the WWE transition of buying WCW and how they treated stars from ECW heading into WWE and WCW heading into WWE and other companies heading into WWE, it's it's really hard to imagine that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, just, you guys from another company, AJ Styles, you from TNA, uh, Doc Gallows and you from New Japan, here's all this push. You can have all of it you want. It's almost against everything that WWE's done. Maybe they're changing for the better and they're they're realizing like, oh, it's, who cares? They're ours now. It doesn't really matter. But something about Vince, I'm sure he's somewhere in his head, he's like, we're going to freaking bury these guys. Wait till, <laughs> wait till, wait till it's three on one with um, AJ Gallows Anderson and Rain just beats them all. And just beats them all. And, that, and we're all sitting here like, we should have seen this coming. We should have seen this coming. <laughs> Like League of Nations a couple of months ago. Remember he beat him like in a four and one match or something like that? <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Well, he did he did it to the Wyatt family too. He yeah. embarrassed the entire Wyatt family and then buried Bray. So <laughs> just oh, all I'm saying is if, if you're if you're a former member of the Bullet Club, head on a swivel with Reigns. Head on a swivel. <laughs> and that Samoan shovel of his that I know he has in his back pocket at <laughs> all times. But uh, that's a very scary thought. And we talked about it before. I mean, I would like to think that he's changed, that the WWE, and when I say he, I say Vince, has changed his ways. But, I mean, it's been so far so good with AJ Styles, but I really hope it's not a red herring and that it's not just like, oh, it's leading to something else. They're going to turn him heel, and he's going to have brains bury every single member of this faction. Because we've seen it before. They do not have the best track record, as Donnie just said, with, you know, guys that were not made in WWE, and they like to humble them. Oh, we got to humble you. We got to bury you. That's what, that's what they do. So <laughs> would not shock me at all. So we'll see. We'll see. I want to be optimistic. I want to think they're going to treat these guys right. But uh, like Donnie alluded to, this guy, AJ, is AJ Styles is a money baby face, which is why they should not turn him right now. It's, it's asinine. But then again, they turned Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of the hottest stars in the 90s, and they turned him heel anyway, so... Would not surprise me in the slightest, but we'll see. And I think a Styles-Balor match sells SummerSlam alone, in addition to all the other matches. And like you guys said before, I forgot to say this, um, Reigns, like you said, long-term, I think he is champion going into SummerSlam at the earliest, just until Rollins comes back, I think. I don't know if Rollins beats him for the belt or not, but I know they're probably waiting until Rollins comes back to do that match that we weren't able to see in the Champions 2014, that we weren't able to see at Survivor Series 2015. We finally get at SummerSlam 2016. Do you think they could do Shield versus... 
AJ and Gallows and Anderson? I think down the line. I know people have brought that up, and I don't think it's something in the interim. I don't know. I mean, but the, you think of say they keep this going for know, a couple more months, and then Rollins comes back as a then, as baby, a baby face. Okay. So then what's he gonna be doing? If Reigns already with this little program still, he's probably just gonna sort himself, be like, I have your back. And then I don't know what Ambrose will be doing at that point because they're both like. He's already faced Owens. He's faced all the other heels, so he'll have nothing to do. He always has nothing to do. He they always has nothing to do. Just throw him right in. <laughs> you know what? Uh, let me let me say something about that. Well, I I don't know if that's going to come to fruition, but you know what? I mean, the reason I would love that is because if you do something like that, where they all come together, they all team up, they all go up against the, the whatever the bulldog is called at that point. Uh, you can eventually once you, if you bring someone together, you eventually have to break them apart. And the idea of breaking apart the shield again. Um, to have them fight each other leads to that triple threat shield match for the title that they, WWE wanted initially, that we all want. I want to see that match. That match is, is like a holy grail of wrestling for right now. The triple threat between Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Reigns for the championship will be awesome. So if you bring them together to go up against the Bullet Club, that means you can also break them apart and then eventually give them that title match, which, according to reports and rumors, that was originally scheduled for WrestleMania 32. I mean, it's been rumored for a while. Like, I don't know if it was this time a year ago or during the summer, but there were reports they were, you know, planning on bringing the Shield back together in, like, early 2016, late 2015. Like, not even two years after they broke up, they were already planning on reuniting these guys because they were such a money group and they were a money group. And it's the one story in wrestling, other than Lesnar breaking the streak and having gone almost undefeated since then, that um, it's, it's great long-term storytelling. Reigns and Ambrose are still friends even two years later, and I think... Like you guys said, I mean, like Donnie, you just said, I mean, even with the triple threat match, they can have the baby faces reunite and take on Styles and Gallows and Anderson. Again, maybe not ASAP, because I feel like before you do that, you have to do Rollins and Triple H. They got to get that out of the way first. And maybe then you do that for the fall or something, I don't know. And then you can have Reigns go heel. Because, like, obviously you can't have Rollins go heel twice. That would make Reigns and Ambrose look like the two biggest idiots in the world for fucking again. <laughs> it would have to be the other way around. It would have to be Ambrose going heel. Or I don't know if they would do Reigns. But it would be like, why wouldn't you have seen that coming twice? You know what I mean? It would make no sense. Uh, but that's the match, I think. That is the match, like Donnie, you said. I think that is the, the dream match. Money match. Money match. If there's any money matches left in wrestling that are not Taker and Sting, which I know is pretty much done at this point. Cause or involving Legends. Or involving, like, exactly, the one money match not involving John Cena or Legends that is a money match. And I think it's the match that you got to do oh, at dude, WrestleMania. Dude, John Cena's a legend, man. What are you doing? <laughs> He's a legend, bro. Come on. He's give him, give the man his credit. He's a legend in his own mind. He's coming back in a month on Memorial Day Raw. Do you think, Donnie, I'll ask you this question before we go off the air. Do you think that is a, a ratings ploy to get him back in a Raw that traditionally does not do well in the ratings? Yeah, of course, as it should be. If you're a company and you you're, you know that one of your worst days is coming and you know that this guy is ready to go. I just I talked to John Cena last week. He's like, I'm ready to go, dude. I, I want to go now. Well, fine, but that doesn't fit us to bring you back right now. We don't need you back right now. I know the ratings aren't that great, but when it comes right down to it, if you have him healthy and you can, you can wait off you know, a month, then you're going to do it because you have a great opportunity for him to fill a void that's yes that that show usually has much lower numbers not even much lower but lower numbers than other roles well you know what if he shows up for the first time and everybody knows it that's moot now they've just they've nipped that in the bud which is exactly what they're going for as a business i like it no i like it because they did a surprise return at wrestlemania so to do it again would be a little the kind of the same thing so i'm glad they're kind of advertising it a month out for that raw that does not do well traditionally ratings wise and uh, going into the next pay-per-view, which I think is Money in the Bank in June, and they kind of set up something for that. And 
Well, I mean, I know they showed the tweet last night on Raw, but they can show, you know, videos. They can show them, which they've done before, but they can show them training in the gym. What does this mean to me? What have the last six months? I know he came back for, like, literally, like, a week in December before he got hurt. Um, you know, what have the past six months been for you since losing the U.S. title? What are your new motivations? Who are you going after? What are you going after? Stuff like that. So hopefully we get that over the next month. They're not just going to say, oh, Cena's back on this Raw, and we actually get – I know John Cena's John Cena, but we get some real character development with Cena. Why is he coming back? I mean, I know he came back. The last run really had the most meaning that he's had in a long time. Not just like, oh, he's going to run through this guy, this guy, Bray Wyatt, Rusev, Wade Barrett, blah, blah, blah. He actually had meaning as U.S. champion. So when he comes back, hopefully he has that same direction and motivation that we saw from him last year. And he was arguably one of the biggest MVPs of 2015 in ring-wise. So we'll see how that plays out next month. But on that note, like I said, Bayback on Sunday. Should be a very good show with all the matches that we talked about on paper. It could be a very strong show in Chicago, which never disappoints in the next couple weeks slash months in wrestling and WWE specifically as we uh, you know, are en route to SummerSlam in just three more, five more months or four months rather. Should be very interesting. So on that note, Donnie, first time here on the show. Great having you. Host the Ring Rust Radio. As I said, you guys can check that out on Twitter, on pretty much everything. You, you just search up Donnie Wood and you can find him everywhere on Bleach Report as well and all the other websites that you write for. So, Donnie, before we let you go, where can the people find you? And, again, thanks for coming on the show, my man. No problem, man. I love the show. I'm glad that you had me on. I feel proud to be on here. Uh, I'm Donald Wood. You can find me on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. I'm on Bleach Report. I'm on Forbes. I'm on Travel Pulse. I'm on Ring Rest Radio. So I'm all over the place, like he said. Sounds good. Sounds good, Donnie. Again, great talking to you. We'll catch you down the road. Thank you, guys. See you, dude. All right, RJ, before we go off the air, any shout-outs? None. Uh, well, no shout-outs. Very relaxed today, so I'm not going <laughs> to say anything. There's more of a story to that than I think we need to tell here on the show. Maybe we will tell it at some point. But Maybe it's at a some great, point. It's a, it's a great story. It's a great Mr. Marceau tale that I love a lot. It got a great chuckle at a GSM last night. <laughs> Very relaxing weekend. Very relaxing week as we're off internship for the next week. But you'll not be joining us on WWE EC Radio on Thursday, unfortunately, correct? Mm. No, hopefully. That's a yawn, I see. I see a yawn there. I know. Very relaxed. Very relaxed. That's <laughs> why. I'm yawning because I'm very relaxed. We'll be back. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday with Jacob Bloom to review the Payback Pay-Per-View. His first time on the show since the outburst six months ago. And then almost got us kicked off the radio. Good. Um, that show will be pre-taped, I believe. It probably has to be. Um, that's going to be a very fun show. Uh, not suitable for work, but very suitable for anyone who loves foul language and just an entertaining time. One of the best shows I think we ever did yep. was with Jacob Bloom six months ago, so I can't wait for that, and that will be next Tuesday. And uh, hopefully in the next two weeks, I know you're not prepared, so I'm not going to you know, call upon you to do it now, but on the RJ, so our RJ Marcel Fair War Tour, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. We did a preview, NXT on Thursday. RJ, talk about it. I talked about it in articles. It's a great show. Great show. I thought all the matches were pretty good besides the first one. The first one sucked between uh, Mojo Rally and uh, Rick Moss. Moss. But besides that, I thought the rest of the show was really good. And uh, screened my head off when Samoa Joe won. I thought it was very surprising. I was shocked as all hell. In my article on Next Era Wrestling, I said it's probably the second most shocking moment I've ever seen live besides the street being broken. But um, very good, cool moment. Like I said, didn't see it coming. And like was jumping up and down, GSM like torn my rotator cuff, <laughs> freaking ripping on my shoulder. But besides that, it was a really good show. I thought all the matches were really entertaining, and the crowd and the environment is really good. First ever NXT. First experience. ever NXT experience, and it was amazing. And you got to see a title change. Yep. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Samoa Joe is great. You need to get a Samoa Joe tee at some point. Maybe the new one, which Maybe. is pretty cool. Very good chair. Maybe get it as a graduation gift or something. I'm waiting for the surfboard. Ah, Joey Samoa. Yep. 
Did he sign your surfboard when you had the show? Yes. Ah. <laughs> Put the flying t-shirt on. Latest stop on the Marcel Fair World Tour was a massive, massive success. To say it was a success would be a massive understatement, and it was quite that. It was quite the success. And I can't wait for the next NXT show that you attend. will be NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. right, right. Next two years. Yeah. <laughs> And Raw, and SmackDown, and SummerSlam. And Main Event, and Superstar. Yep. Yeah, I'll be there the whole week. I already got my tickets for SummerSlam. Maybe Mr. Marceau can fill in for John on Monday. Who knows? We'll Maybe. See. If he gets hurt accidentally, if he gets, you know, boob sick, or, uh, you know, who knows? Stomach, who knows? Maybe if he gets the flu or something, maybe Mr. Marceau can fill in. And coming to Monday Night Raw, that's Mr. Marceau. He's back. I thought he retired. <laughs> <laughs> so Good the stuff. RG Marceau Farewell Tour rolls on. With extreme rules. It's the last stop. It's the last stop officially. Oh, break out the tissues. Get the tissues. It's coming Pretty May much. 22nd. Can't wait. But I was going to say this earlier. I don't want to call upon you now to do it because I know you're not prepared. But maybe next week or the week after in our final show, you will be able to bring, bring back one last time top five winners and losers of the week. Oh, shoot. Uh, one more time. One more time. Times, we'll say maybe next week or the week after. Maybe. We'll say maybe a post payback. Edition? Maybe. Top five winners and losers. Possibly. Well, we haven't seen it in a while. We haven't. Making its return since a lot like Seth Rollins. I like it since Rubberney. Since Rubberney. I think that was like probably the last time he did it. So. Probably. Also, one last question, too. I know this is also a tough question to, to ask or to answer. Where did NXT LOL Live rank for you among your greatest wrestling shows that you've ever attended? And, and let, me, let me just preface this, folks. You have been to TLC 2015, which yep. I was there for. Summer Sun 2015, which I was also there for. Yep. You were at Royal Rumble 2011. Yep. Armageddon 05. Yep. SummerSlam 06. Yep. WrestleMania 30. Yep. Money in the Bank 2014. Yep. Backlash 09. Yep. Seven years ago today, by the way. Great show. Uh, where does NXT rank for you? And that's only the pay-per-views. I don't, I don't know, honestly. And and I don't know. I'd have to think about it, honestly. That's another list. That's another list. That's another RG2 cents right there. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. There's a lot of... I know WrestleMania ranks up there. WrestleMania is way up there. Was TLC top five or no? Probably. That was a really fun show. That was a great show. I don't know if it was... For me, I'm still debating. It's been like five days. I don't know if it was number one or number two. But if if it's number two, it's a close two. Yeah. Next to Brooklyn. Because better than SummerSlam, TLC is my top five too. In addition to that great Raw that I went to in June of 2014. So I think those are my top five shows right there. Wow, NXT Live, LOL, in LOL was amazing. You'll be able to see the match tomorrow night on NXT in full. Samojo beating Balor for the championship. Can't wait for that. Should be a great time. And like I said, we'll be back next Tuesday with another all-new edition of WrestleRant Radio. Check out the live and archived episodes every single Tuesday right here on NextEraWrestling.net. So until next time, guys, for RJ Marceau, I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and we'll catch you folks down the road.